0: Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. I've been talking about this series. Live it, and we're going to be talking about spiritual maturity, and uh, we're going to be going through the book of James, so if you want to prepare a little bit ahead every week and read ahead, you're welcome to do that, but I'm really, really excited about this series. Um, I I think we need to grow and mature as believers, and uh, we need to know the Word of God, and and James is a, a really great book or letter. To help us grow and uh, understand how to apply the scriptures to our daily lives, um, I want to start with Second uh, Chronicles chapter seven verse fourteen. Many of you are familiar with this scripture, and this is uh, the Lord speaking to Solomon when he completed the temple. And we know that uh, when when Solomon dedicated the temple, he gave extravagant offerings. Uh, and, and, I mean, he could have just uh, sacrificed a bull or two, but he was extravagant in uh, dedicating the temple because that was his heart. And uh, when the Lord asked him what he wanted, he said, what, what do you want? And Solomon didn't ask for riches and money and material things. He said, Lord, I want wisdom to guide your people. And that really touched the Lord's heart. And the Lord said, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you riches as well, because I like your heart. And But let's look at 2 uh, Chronicles um, seven fourteen. 14. Uh, oh, one other thing. I know that they probably already have it up there. I do this to them a lot. I'll say, let's go there, and then I backtrack. And they're putting the Scripture up and down. Be patient with us, please, especially me. Um <laughs> uh, the lord tells solomon he says there may be times when there will be famine or, or hardship or things like that and i i think I'm, clearly the lord knew that there were going to be times when israel would turn away from god and uh, we see that over and over in the in the old testament uh where they would turn away from god and then they would worship other gods pagan gods and things like that and they would repent and they would come back to the lord and he would Deliver them from bondage and things like that, but he says there will be times when there may be famine or or no rain But this is what he tells him in verse 14. He says then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land so we see, whenever we see if, we know that it's conditional. If we, he will. And so the Lord knew that this was going to happen. And, uh, you know, we just celebrated the 20-year the anniversary of 9-11. And I think, uh, I've shared this many times before, we have political problems. I won't deny that. But our biggest problem is that we have turned away from God. God we're we're rejecting God we're trying to push him out of our society we're even pushing him out of the church and so what I wanted to do before we get started this morning is I wanted to just spend some time in prayer just a, a couple of minutes and would you join me as we pray dear Heavenly Father we we come before you this morning and and we lift up the pastors and the leaders the spiritual leaders in this country and across the globe Lord God we pray their protection we pray for your guidance and leading for the spiritual leaders that are, uh, that are supposed to be leading the body of Christ, leading the church, the local churches. And so, Lord God, we lift up every spiritual leader, every pastor, every church, and we pray protection and guidance and leading. Lord God, we, we pray for believers around the world. We pray for believers here in America who are, are undergoing some level of persecution that could increase. Lord, we pray your protection over us. From Even from things like COVID and, and the things that the world may uh, suffer from, Lord God, we pray that you would isolate us and insulate us from those things and that you would keep us safe and healthy physically, but also spiritually, mentally, emotionally, Lord God. We, we pray for this country, this great country where we have the privilege to come and worship you. We have the freedom that we have because people have gone and fought for our freedom and are still fighting today. Now, Lord God, we pray for revival to take place in this nation, that this nation would come back to Jesus. We're praying for a Jesus revival. We're, we're praying for forgiveness and repenting from our sins, for embracing and, and, uh, and compromising our lives, Lord God, as Christians and as a nation. This nation was founded on you. But yet you look at some of the the things that are going on here, and they're very anti-God, anti-Christian. And so, Lord God, we repent, and we ask your forgiveness. And we pray that you would raise up godly leaders, people in our government that are Christians, that are solid believers, and, and hold true to the Word of God, and those that are leading our country that are not saved. Lord, we pray for their salvation. And we pray that they come into this relationship with you. Lord God, your your desire is not that we build America the nation, that we build the kingdom of God, but Lord God, you've placed us in this wonderful nation where we have the privilege and opportunity to share the hope and the love of Christ and gather like we're gathering here this morning to praise you and worship you, which is a freedom many people don't have across the globe. And Lord, we we pray for this world. You gave us a word in... uh, may of last year the world as we know it will soon come to an end we're seeing that that prophecy fulfilled but lord god we know that you're greater than the circumstances and situations around us and we look to you for guidance and leading we're not looking to a political party we're looking to jesus because you are the only one that can fix this mess and this mess is not just in america but it's global lord And so we come to you as a family of believers and and pray corporately for healing in this land. Start with us, God. Start with your people, those people who are called by your name. Let us humble ourselves. Let us seek your face. Let us pray. Let us turn from our wicked ways, Lord God. And receive you as you come to heal our lives and to heal this land. And we thank you for it, and we pray with expectation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying, and let's continue to pray for this nation. While we're, uh, we're here, let's recite our mission statement. You know what it is. Our mission at Life Fellowship is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And then the vision or the goal or the outcome is that we become... Well, let's recite this together. (laughs) To become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. So thank you for that. I I always want to go back and remind us on occasion, what are our purposes here? I think that's really the purpose for the global church, but I know that that's what God has called us to do. And my role is to lead and feed, and so um, I do that to the best of my ability, and through this series... I think we are all going to be challenged, but don't get mad at me. I'm just giving you the Word of God, okay? And uh, I want to talk about Live It. Uh, That's the title of this series. I I thought about titling it Becoming Mature Believers, but let's look at this definition of Live It for us at Life Fellowship. It means to live out what we say we believe, or shut up, or shut shut up, because nobody wants to hear it right. People don't want to hear it, they want to encounter those who are ready and actually go out and yeah. live it. So this is going to be the intro to this series, and this morning's sermon is titled, Map to Maturity. And like I mentioned, we're going to be going through the book of James, James, line by line, verse by verse, a little bit of background on the book of James. James was the brother of Jesus, can you imagine what that would be like? Well, James, why can't you do it? Jesus could do that. Well, James, why can't you build a table? Jesus was able to do that. He must have been under a lot of pressure. But James ended up being a leader in the church, and he wrote this letter in in approximately 49 A.D. He was an early church leader, and when you go back and look at at this letter, it was written to first-century Jewish Christians, and he was addressing issues with them that are still problematic for us today, 2,000 years later. And he is challenging them and challenging us to become mature believers and go out and live it. So my first point is when the Lord changes our heart, there are and should be changes in our life. So when we dedicate our life to the Lord, when we come to the Lord, we invite the Lord into our heart and life. We say, Lord, I'm asking you to come into my heart. I, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. There's a change that takes place But it should also be evident in the life that we live. There are issues that uh, James was dealing with 2,000 years ago that we're still dealing with today. And uh, some of the things that I wanted to just bring up that are probably pretty obvious to you is there's compromise in the church. We have leaders that, pastors that are teaching things that are anti-biblical. They're teaching things, if the Bible says it's wrong, then it's wrong. And if the, if, if the Word says we shouldn't do that, then we shouldn't do it. But yeah, we have pastors and teachers that are saying, well, you know, it's okay. It's, I, know, I know that's what the Bible says, but that was a long time ago, and you know, it's different now. We're smarter. We're wiser. We're, you know, well, it's still the same. There's exposure, I believe, uh, and there has been, and I think there, there will be more exposure of hypocritical and false teachings there are, there are people that are teaching things that are tickling ears you know we all want to hear we all we all want to hear the message that god loves us and we're forgiven and all of those kinds of things and those are great messages and those are true but there's more to it than than just this the good stuff you know i mean it's all good but god wants us to grow up and mature and, you know, we don't always want to do that. There's compromise in the lives of believers. I'm amazed at, at some of the people that I know that have been walking with the Lord for decades. And they're compromising. Big time. They know better. There's disregard for basic biblical instruction. And I think there's, it's twofold. I think that a lot of churches are not teaching the Word of God. They're just not. And then I think there's another element of that where people are being taught the Word, but they choose to disregard the Word of God. You know, the Word says, to, to those who know it's sin, and sin, it's wrong. I mean, if we know the Word of God, then there should be a change in our heart and in our life, which will be reflective in the demonstration of how we live it. There's a lack of commitment to God. Oh, well, you know, I'll be a Christian when it's convenient. I'll I'll use the God card when I'm in a jam. But my daily life, well, you know, I'm good. And there's a lack of fellowship and attendance with the body of Christ. The Word says that we are to gather together. That we're not to sake the assembling of ourselves together. That we are to come together. And like on Sunday morning, like here now, and you're watching online, the great news is that we have... Podcasts and we have services online. You can watch them at two o'clock in the morning if you're working on Sunday There is no excuse, but it's better when we can come together and fellowship together And so on Sunday morning, we're doing that on life groups. Those are another mechanism that we have to gather together they uh, the the assembling of ourselves provides safety and accountability we're able to learn, we're able to be taught, we're able to understand biblical truths and principles that we need to know to live the abundant life, but also that we can train and and teach and equip other people so that they can live the abundant life. My role is to train and equip you. Your role is to go out with what you've learned and impact the world. We're all called to do that. And so that's the primary thing that we do on Sunday mornings and in life groups where we can chop it up where you can build relationships with the Lord, where you can build a deeper relationship with the Lord and, and relationships with one another because we're the body. As I talked about a couple of weeks ago, we need one another. And so we also receive spiritual health by coming together, coming attending church and, and reading the Word and, and spending time together, going to the life groups where we receive spiritual health. There are people that have accepted Christ but are struggling and there are people that need deliverance there are people that say they're christian and maybe they are they need healing in their lives we need to be free jesus came to set us free not to bind us up in religion or leave us where we are but to fix our broken messed up lives and we can help one another our core scripture for this series is going to be james 1 22. And James says, "But don't just listen to God's word, period. Stop there. Don't just listen to God's word. And there are a lot of people that they'll hear a great message online or, or in church. And that's it. Oh yeah, well, that's a great message. Well my heart isn't changed. My life isn't changed. He goes on to write the next sentence, "You must do what it says. So don't just listen. But are we following or are we obeying or are we doing what the Word says? He goes on to write that third sentence here. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. If we say that we're Christian, our lives should demonstrate it. And again, I'm not talking about performing and, and you know jumping through a bunch of hoops. And I'm not talking about getting religious and all that. I'm talking about having a, rela- a relationship with God where our hearts and lives are changed. So my first point is when the Lord changes our heart, there, should, there are and should be changes in our life. My second point this morning is we need the love of the Lord and the Holy Spirit to accomplish all that Jesus calls us to do. Because we can't live this abundant life. We can't do the things that the Bible teaches without this transformation in our hearts and lives and without the help of the Holy Spirit. James 1 uh says this letter is from James a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ I want to read it in the New American Standard Bible we, we normally teach out of the New Living Translation but I, I like to look at other uh, versions, translations as well, James a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ the word for slave or bond servant is doulos and it can be literal or it can be figurative involuntary or voluntary Uh, You you can view it as a slave or a servant, and it implies obedience and devotion. And so uh, true worshipers, followers followers of of Christ are called slaves or or servants of God. And so think about this. We'll say that, well, Lord, I ask you to come into my heart and life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I make you Lord of my life. But do we really make him Lord of our life? As we sang about uh, this morning, yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory. See, Jesus didn't come that we would build our own kingdom. He came that we would build the kingdom of God and that his presence, his Holy Spirit, would reside with us and we would make a difference in the world around us. James 1 1 continues, This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the twelve tribes... Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. So he's writing to Jewish believers that had accepted Christ. Verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, okay, he has a connection with these people that he's writing to. What? What is the connection? The connection is this relationship with other believers through Christ. And, you know, I've, I've said this before that we should pray that God would give us the kind of love for others that he has for us have you ever met another believer maybe you don't even know they're a, a believer but instantly you're connected with them. you just have this connection with them and then you find out that they're a believer too that's the Spirit of God that is connecting us because we have a commonality in Christ And so that can happen. It's happened to me when I've been in the airport or traveled internationally or wherever where you meet someone and instantly you just have this connection because it's this bond of Christ. And so James is is connected to others and he's writing to these others because he has a connection with them. He says, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. Yay! Do you have that gift? Check this GIF out. I'm so excited, she saying. So when troubles come your way, is that us? This word, this word for trouble means a trial or a test of adversity or affliction which God brings us through to encourage us. And it's an opportunity for us to prove our faith and confidence in Him. And I've shared numerous stories, and I know many of you have stories, where you've you've gone through a trial or a tribulation, and you've seen the victory when you come out on the other side. And many times, we don't understand what God is doing, and so we're walking in faith, and we're saying, I trust you, Lord. Like the time that we had, uh, we wanted to sell our home and the Lord told me that he was going to bring someone to buy our house. And I said, okay, Lord, well, should we put a sign in the yard for sale by owner or go with a certain realtor? And the Holy Spirit said, no, I'm going to bring someone. And I'm like, well, that's weird. How's anybody going to know our house is for sale if there's no sign in the yard? And a short time later, somebody called that had showed our house months before when we had it on the market, and we took it off the market, but they didn't know it was back on. And they said that someone had come into their real estate office from another real estate office and had uh, said that they had some missionaries from the Ukraine that were coming into Corpus Christi for a day or two, and they were looking for a home they wanted to buy. And this, this lady that called me wasn't even in the conversation. She was in her cubicle and overheard the conversation of someone from another real estate office talking to another realtor. And she said, they begin to describe our house. She said, she was listening and she's like, I know that house. I've shown that house before. And so she went and, and she said, Hey, I know the house you're talking about. And she called me. She said, Hey, is your house still for sale? Or are you wanting to sell your house? I'm like, Yeah, we are. There's no sign in the yard, but yeah, we are. And so, long story short, these missionaries from the Ukraine bought our house. That's the kind of thing that will build your faith when the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to bring someone. Don't worry about putting a sign in the yard because I'm going to make it happen. Those are the kinds of things that build our faith so that we have faith when tests come. Oh, Lord, I didn't get that job. I've shared this with you before, too. I didn't get a job that I wanted. I went out and I began to praise God and thank him at that very hour because I said, Lord, I didn't get this job. I wanted you to have something better. And a few hours later, I got a call from the HR director. the The site director had created a position for me, even though there was a hiring freeze after this one job position got filled. And he said, "I want to hire Mark Johnson." Those are the kinds of things that God will do when we obey, when we just follow Him. So when there's a, a trial or a test come, maybe we need a different perspective maybe we need to say God what are you doing in this situation what are you trying to teach me maybe you're trying to build my faith I didn't get that job but you're creating something better for me that I wouldn't have known about so are we yielding to him God never tempts us he will allow tests to help us grow and mature you remember going into class your professor or your teacher says okay put pull out a pencil and put your books under your desk, and you're like, oh, no, man, pop test. <sighs> I was going to read that chapter tonight. I didn't, chance, I didn't get a chance to read But why do they give us a pop test? Because so, they're mean? They want to see us fail? No, they want us to be able to evaluate where we are. They want to evaluate us, and it helps us to, to understand if we're grasping the material or not. And we see the maturity of our children when they go through tests, right? When they go through trials, when they have challenges, and we're like, well, son, how'd you handle that? Well, I didn't handle that too well. Well, maybe next time you you might handle it this way. Or you handled it great. You kept your composure or whatever. And so these trials and tribulations are not to tear us down and destroy us, but to build us up. Most of us will run from a test. Do you, would you like a pop quiz today? No, we're good. So we want to we want to take the easy way, the easy way out and the path of least resistance. But scripture often runs counterculture or countercurrent to what we want, right? Because let's read on. In Luke six, we're going to look at several scriptures here. But to you who are willing to listen, okay. To those that are willing to listen, that's a choice we make, because many believers are unwilling to listen. Many believers are unyielding to the Lord. But to, to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Are you kidding me? Love my enemies? Do you know what they've done? Do you know the damage that they've created? Do you know the heartache? And he says, to those who are willing to listen... Love your enemies. To those who are willing to listen, do good to those who hate you. Do good to those who hate you. Come on, that's that's not normal for us to, to love our enemies and do good to those who hate us. Bless those who curse you. Oh, come on. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Well, okay, I can do that. Lord God, you know they hurt me. Get them, God. No, no, no. That's not how he's wanting us to pray for our enemies and those who hurt us. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. I've skipped down to verse 31. Uh, Let's skip to Luke 6.35 here. Love your enemies. Again, he's saying... Love your enemies. He's already told us that once. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Are you kidding? No, I'm going to charge them 25% interest. Lend, lend to those that, that are our enemies. How many of us want to do that? Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly then you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. He was kind to us when we weren't walking with Him, when we were involved in all kinds of wicked stuff, evil things, not walking with the Lord, when we were unkind to Him and to others, maybe we were cussing God, maybe we were cussing the, the people that He loved. He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Verse 36, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Verse 37, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Ah, here's a big one. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more. Running over and poured back into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. A lot of uh, sermons or pastors have used this as a scripture for tithing. And saying, look, uh, uh, give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured back into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And so a lot of pastors will use this in a tithing message or a giving message. But look what he says prior to that. He says, uh, forgive others and you'll be forgiven. He's not talking about money there. But what, what he's talking about here is a principle that as we give we receive back so it applies to money yeah i mean think about mattress mac and some of those people that are very very generous it seems like their business are just super blessed right but you see people that give and give and give and give but yet the lord returns back the lord blesses us when we first of all when we honor him with the tithe when we give what we what belongs to him the first 10 percent of our increase belongs to him he promises to bless us if I, if I said, I'll give you $1,000, but I want $100 back, would you do it? <laughs> God gives us everything. And he says, I just want 10% back. But, but I want us to understand, this is not a tithing message, by the way, but I want us to understand that, that this is a principle. That when we forgive, we're forgiven. When we bless others, we're blessed. Even our enemies you notice he doesn't differentiate. He doesn't say, Well, bless those who are nice to you. That's what we would want to do, right? Be kind to those who are kind to us. Be nice to those who are nice to us. He says, No, love your enemies. And so, my second point is we need the Lord in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us because I don't think we can do this on our own. I can't. I can't love my enemies. Sometimes I have problems loving my own family, (laughs) much less my enemies. And so what God wants to do is He wants to transform our lives to think differently. When the Lord changes our heart, there are and should be changes in our life. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about becoming mature believers that we can get over ourselves and we need health and healing and wholeness in our lives you have any issues you have any big buttons that are just there and somebody can walk along and just accidentally bump it and you go off you may be saved you may have accepted Christ but there's more to this life than just getting fire insurance and say well I'm not going to hell because I've accepted Christ Are we allowing the Lord to transform our life? My second point is we need the love of the Lord and the Holy Spirit to accomplish all Jesus calls us to do. We cannot do it on our own. Maybe you can. I can't. (laughs) I struggle even with the help of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. My third point, the Lord will give us strength to resist temptation. So again, we're talking about spiritual maturity here this morning. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14 says, be on guard. Okay, so if we're spiritually mature, if we're following the Lord, we need to be on guard. He says, stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And God gives us the strength to stand firm in our faith. Even when I don't see it, he's moving. Even when I don't feel like it, he's moving. He's working in our lives. And so God will give us the, the strength to stand firm in our faith. Be courageous. have courage. Be strong. First Corinthians 16:14 says, "And do everything with love." Listen, if we really love people like He loves us and, and He loves others, we would act differently. That's why this whole love thing is so vitally important. Lord, help me. In fact, let's say this. uh, Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord, help me to love others others. like you love them them. and like like you love me. And when we pray that prayer with sincerity, I think God honors that, and I think he does something. He begins to do something in our hearts and lives. And you'll find yourself loving people that maybe you didn't really love before you'll find that you may have a greater propensity for loving your enemies it may not go from zero to a hundred but God is working in our hearts and lives and do everything with love let's go back to James 1 2 through 8 dear brothers and sisters when trouble of any kind come your way consider it an opportunity for great joy (laughs) do I need to show that gif again? Okay. Uh, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Most of us would choose to stay at the place that we're at, in our complacency or whatever, and not grow unless we have to. We wouldn't want to take any tests in school. We would just want to get through the class and, and move on. But when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. When the Holy Spirit said, don't do anything I'm bringing someone to buy your house that was a step of faith but I I can look back in my life and I can see benchmarks along the way where God has done amazing things I I didn't have anything to do with them all I had to do was just obey and just wait on him and 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 wait and watch him move so let it grow Let your endurance grow when your faith is tested. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. This Greek word for perfect is teleos. It means complete in all parts. So God wants us to be mature and complete in all parts, fully grown, mature. He's talking spiritually here. He wants us to be fully grown and mature, Having the completeness of Christ-like character. Looking like Christ. Having that character. Having those attributes. Extending that kind of love. Having that kind of patience. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, 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 kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Spiritual growth and maturity is a lifelong process. Are we willing to yield to him and allow him to do this process in our hearts and lives? As our endurance grows and develops, we continue through this process to greater maturity. We need to go through the stages. Have you ever had to take the medicine? You're like, I don't want to take that stuff. It tastes horrible. Take it. It's good for you. The word of God is good for us because the Lord loves us. He wants to see us grow up and become mature believers. Listen, when you first get saved, you're a baby Christian. (laughs) That's okay, you're a baby. But we shouldn't remain in that state. We should allow God this process of helping us grow and mature. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. We're made full and complete through Christ. We experience lack in our lives when we're not completely filled with the Christ, with Christ. When we're not following His commands and obedience. I mean, if we know it's wrong and and we continue to do what's wrong, uh, we're gonna we're we're gonna suffer the consequences of those things. John ten ten. You know the word. Jesus said, "The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you would have abundant life." We're not gonna have abundant life if we're not following his directions and again please hear me I think you know this I'm not talking about getting all religious and legalistic and all that stuff I'm talking about having this encounter, this real relationship with Jesus where he's changing our hearts that is the purpose he came and died for our sins not to leave us where we were but that we would walk in the fullness of life I don't know I don't know anyone that can be completely filled with Christ on this earth. I know some extremely godly people that move in power like I have never seen before. God works through their lives in powerful, powerful ways. But the ones that I know, they're not perfect people. None of them. They move in in miraculous power. God does amazing things through their lives, but they're not perfect people. God is not looking for perfect people. He's looking for people that will obey and yield to Him and be a conduit that He can work through, that He can trust, that He has a relationship with. There are wounds and, and issues in my life. I'm a work in progress. God is still working in my heart. And uh, I I remember we were at a pastor's conference a number of years ago, and there was a, a, uh, a very well-known pastor that if I mentioned his name, you would know who he is probably. And he said, I'm always in therapy. <laughs> we all kind of chuckled, but I think he was serious. He said, I'm always in therapy because there's broken places in my life that I need help. I need healing. And what we find is, is, is God is doing this work in our lives, as he's dredging up some of this junk from our lives, we're like, oh, I didn't know those rocks were down there. I didn't know that was in there. And God is, is loving us enough to, to bring health and healing and wholeness to our lives, but we need to yield to him. We need to really commit to him and say, Lord God, I, I give this to you. I want to be free. I don't want to be bound up anymore. The Holy Spirit is continually helping us. And there are times, I know, when we all lack peace, patience, love, understanding, you know, whatever that may look like. Uh, this is something that, that uh, you might want to write down. I, I thought this was really good, something the Lord gave me. Many times we think we have to perform rather than to realize we are being transformed through Christ. Because if we could do it on our own, we probably would, right? But it's this transformation that the Lord is doing in our hearts and lives that will change us. Where others will begin to see something and say, there's something different about you. You're not responding in the same way that you used to respond. You're not doing some of the same things that you used to do. And you can say, praise Jesus, I'm being transformed. I'm being made new day by day as I yield to him and allow him to do this process. The key is to yield our life to Christ. James 1.5, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So if you have this mentality of like, well, I can't go to God, you know, he's up there on this throne uh, looking to cast down lightning bolts at people and stuff. No, no, Jesus came that we would be able to come boldly to the throne of grace. So when you have a need, when you need some wisdom ask God we see what, what God, how God honored Solomon when, he said, when God said what do you want he said I want wisdom to lead your people he generously gives and he will not rebuke you for asking Hebrews 4, 14-16 says so then since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the son of God let us hold firmly to what we believe what do we believe? the word of God, the promises of the word. That he is for us, that we are his prized possession of all creation. He loves us. He's forgiven us. He wants us to walk in the fullness of life that he came to give. Here the writer of Hebrews is also encouraging us to stand firm. Do not compromise. Hebrews 4.15 This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So we can go boldly to the throne of grace and we can say, God, I'm really struggling with this. Jesus knows because he went through the same testings that we go through but did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We will find grace to help us. When we need it most. The Lord is always available and ready to help us. Call on Him. James 1 6. But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. When we ask for something, when we pray, we should pray with expectation. And uh, you know, this again, this is why we need the Lord and the Holy Spirit, because we we don't want to be praying with selfish motives. Lord God, I pray for a Lamborghini. You know, I mean, you can pray that if you want. And if the Lord's placed that on your heart, you know. But what if we prayed, Lord, I want your will to be done in my life. I want the vehicle that you want me to have. What if if we just pray and then ask with expectation? Because we have a relationship. Because we've seen God do some things. Bring a buyer to buy our house when there was no sign in the yard we've had two brand new vehicles given to us when we just prayed we said Lord we need a new vehicle and twice somebody has given us a brand new vehicle go pick out what you want again this is not a this is not a prosperity message this is not some kind of thing that we manipulate God into getting what we want but he's a good good father he wants to give us good things And I'm not just talking about material things. Please hear me. He wants to give us peace. He wants to give us strength. He wants to give us encouragement. He wants to pour through our lives so that we receive all that he has for us, but so that we can be dispensers of those things that he's blessed our lives with. James 1, 6 continues, Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed about by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Well, I'm going to ask the Lord what I should do, or I'm going to ask the Lord about this situation, but I already know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. It really goes back to us trusting the Lord. Do we trust Him? Do we really trust Him? Who would seek advice and counsel when you, uh, I mean, who would you seek advice and counsel from if you have an important decision to make? Maybe your spouse, your pastor, a trusted friend, uh, someone that has a solid relationship with the Lord. And has your best interest at heart, right? Would you go to a stranger on the street and say, Hey, man, I've I've got this job opportunity and these two things. What what do you think? (laughs) Hopefully you wouldn't do that. But when we have these situations before us, what do we do? There are times when, as a pastor, I could go talk to Cliff, an, an elder here, or I could call my pastor or... But, you know, there are times when it's just between me and the Lord. I just need to know what he wants. Because Cliff may have some great advice and counsel, and that's wonderful. My wife may have some great advice and counsel. I may even have some great ideas. Like, well, Lord, you know, if you did this. (laughs) But what if we just go to him and say, Lord, what do you want? Because we're talking about a real, authentic relationship with him. We're talking about a relationship that develops over time where we've seen God move in our midst and where we've seen him answer our prayers and where we've seen him take us down a path that we weren't wanting to go down, and say, well, no, God, I think this path is better. Have you, you see this one here, Lord? And he takes us down a path, and we find out that it's his divine purpose and provision and blessing and favor. Had we gone down that path, we might have crashed and burned. The Holy Spirit wants to help us. Will you go to him? I was talking with Cliff before service, and he said, I think it was the Barna Group did a, uh, a survey, and only 15% believe in the Holy Spirit. Is that is that what it was? Believers. Only 15% believe in the Holy Spirit or will follow the Holy Spirit. Is it any wonder that the church is powerless? <laughs> Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. I know, I know believers that have been walking with the Lord for a long time, but they're unstable in all they do. They, they know the Word of God. They may have even been gifted tremendously, but the anointing is gone. But yet, they don't obey the basic fundamental things that the Lord leads them to do. And God has a great purpose and plan but because we have free will, they're not following him. And, and many, the church is missing out on the blessings that they could be providing with the Lord, speaking through their lives, working through their lives. They're missing it, and the body of Christ is missing it. Now God will find somebody else. God can take the anointing off of our lives and put it on somebody else, give it to somebody else. But when I look at some of these people's lives, they're unstable in all they do. In their family, in in their own life, they're unstable. In their family life, they're unstable. Their children are unstable because it's chaotic. It's a mess. Their life is a mess. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. Listen, we need to make a decision. Are we going to follow God? Are we going to compromise with the world? Are we going to straddle the fence? Are we going to jump back and forth? Ooh, I'm in the world today. Okay, now it's Sunday. I'm with God. Well, you know, this happened over here, so I want to run over here. What is our commitment? And how are we going to be stable in this relationship if we're jumping back and forth? Our hope, peace, salvation, and full life and stability are found in Christ. And I I know, I've I've jumped, I've done that jump back and forth. (laughs) Yeah, I want to stay with God. Because I know where my own propensities lead me. I know where I end up. And it's, it's not a good place. God's greatest desire is to have a personal, intimate, real relationship with you. So when the Lord changes our heart, there are and should be changes in our life. We need the love of the Lord and the Holy Spirit to accomplish all Jesus calls us to do. We all have a, a plan. God has a purpose and plan for all of our lives. But he's given us a free will. The Lord will give us strength to resist temptation. I love you. And I'm not going to sugarcoat things. (laughs) Don't be mad at me. (laughs) I don't want you to be mad at me. But this is a word of God. This is a word that the church needs today. This is something that the Lord has called me to preach for the next number of weeks. But I think, you know, I think we'll find that God is consistent and it's interesting that, that uh, 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 a real well-known pastor um, that you would probably know who he is, uh, recently I went to a conference and he said that he was going to teach the same book, line by line, verse by verse. And I think we'll probably find as we look at other, uh, other pastors and churches that are following the leading of the Lord, it wouldn't be surprising to find that a lot of churches are teaching the book of James right now. That's the Holy Spirit. That's why we're called the body of Christ. Because we're connected to Christ and to the Holy Spirit and to one another. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. This morning, if, if you want to give your life to the Lord, if you, maybe you want to come back to the Lord. The Lord is speaking to you this morning. Would you slip up your hand, anybody? Just catch my eye. Slip up your hand. There's no shame in that. We'll take care of that today. Anybody here? All right. Maybe you're watching online. And that's you just pray this prayer. Just say, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I don't want to play church anymore. I don't want to straddle the fence anymore. I want to commit to you. And so I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I repent. And I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to bring health and healing and wholeness into my, into my life, Lord God. That any addictive behaviors or uh, issues and wounds that, that I can't seem to get over, that you, would, that you would bring health and healing and wholeness into my life. That you would change me, that you would transform me. And that you would help me to forgive other people, Lord. That you would help me to maybe even forgive myself. But I receive you today. And I thank you for this new beginning. I thank you for this fresh start. I thank you for the word that says my sins are as far as the east is from the west. They are no longer you. You no longer remember them. And so I choose to remember them no more as well. Because God, if you can forget them, who am I not to forget those things as well? And so I receive you today in Jesus' name. And I want to pray one more prayer for you to pray that prayer. Lord, I pray that for the fire and the power of your Holy Spirit to wash over them even now, that they would sense you in a greater measure, and that as they read your word, your word would come alive, that their sensitivity to your Holy Spirit would increase, and they would hear your small, still voice speaking to their hearts, and that you would give them the desire and passion to obey, listen, and obey. And do what you ask them to do. So, Lord, we pray all these prayers with great expectation. And we thank you, Lord, that you are doing something in our hearts and lives. We're not just coming to a Sunday morning service just to sing a few songs and hear some scriptures. But we've come to ingest and be transformed and changed by your word, by your Holy Spirit. Help us to choose to obey and follow You, to not only hear Your Word, but to live Your Word, to do Your Word, and not be fooling ourselves, but have an authentic, real relationship with You, and, and desire to follow You and not chase after the things of our flesh and the things of the world. And we pray this prayer with great expectation. In Jesus' name. We hope today's message encouraged you. For more information about our church, please visit our website, lifefellowship.me. We invite you to join us again next week for another life-changing, uplifting message. And remember to live it!